Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Combos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Ryan Hall, who's been a really highly requested guest. One, due to his outstanding marathon career, he is the current half marathon American record holder, and he's also run the fastest marathon by an American, but it was net downhill, so it doesn't count as the American record. But also he's had an amazing transformation in terms of his strength in the weight room after retiring from running. So after coming on the episode, Ryan wanted to offer you guys a discount on his coaching. It is for $50 off your first month subscription in addition to the normal 10 days free with the six month sign up. So the link will be in the show notes for the run free training. Go check that out if you're interested in being coached by Ryan. Don't forget to rate and review Convos Over Cold Brew on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. It really helps me get, you know, high profile guests like Ryan to come on the show. It helps establish credibility for the podcast. So, you know, these people that I'm reaching out to, they'll see that, you know, you guys are reviewing it really well and they'll want to come on and talk to me so that you guys can submit listener questions and get your questions answered by these high profile guests. So if you haven't taken the time to rate and review already, it literally takes 15 seconds and it helps me out so much. You guys have no idea. And if you've already done it, I really appreciate it. And I also just appreciate you guys for listening and telling your friends, family, whoever about the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy listening as much as I love recording these episodes. So thank you guys again so much and let's get straight into today's episode. conversation um to start off the episode do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself a little rundown of who you are and what you're about yeah for sure so yeah my name's ryan hall i went to the olympics in 2008 2012 in the marathon for the u.s and i currently still have the american record 
for the for a little while anyways we'll see how long it lasts but in the half marathon and then i've run the fastest marathon ever run by an american 204.58 at boston in 2011 um currently though i retired from professional running five years ago and i have four daughters uh who we adopted from ethiopia about five years ago so i got a house full of girls so i know i know all about having girls in the house and i uh, also coach my wife sarah who's a National marathon runner and she's uh getting ready for the olympic trials and ten thousand meters up in eugene so we're hope we're stoked to get up there this summer and and watch her make a run at the olympic team and then uh she's also the second fastest american to ever run the marathon distance um we met at stanford in 2005 um or sorry we graduated from stanford in 2005 we met in 2001 and uh we've been married for yeah since 2005 so 16 years now and uh yeah we're just loving life i'm up here in uh, crested butte we're training in colorado um sarah likes coming up to ultra altitude so we're up here at 9,300 feet um, doing some training and i i don't run yeah i don't run myself anymore so i just bike with sarah as she's running i pace her on the bike and then um now my new kind of passion is weightlifting so after i retired from pro marathon running five years ago i got straight into weightlifting and that's kind of my my new hobby and uh, i'm in the weight room every day for 60 90 minutes and um, then the rest of the day is spent coaching and and hanging out with my kiddos and um, also we i started uh, co-founded run free training which is a training platform for uh, ver, uh run training athletes online um, personal training we have amazing coaching staff for us that coaches runners of every distance and every level um and we just do online coaching like week to week sending them training week by week so i'm also a, a business owner so that's been been uh, keeping me plenty busy since retiring <laughs> i don't feel like i'm retired and retired a person i feel like i'm more busy now than when i was running professionally yeah i was gonna say you probably keep yourself very busy with your schedule <laughs> I do. I do. I'm all over the place. We travel a lot too. So, you know, that's one of the, the most fun things about being a pro athlete or being a coach in my situation now is getting to travel all over the world together. You know, Sarah and I have trained in Switzerland, Ethiopia, Kenya. Um, you know, we're going to these races all over the world together. And that's just like one of the biggest perks of, of our job that I'm so grateful for and so grateful to um, be, a, be a runner and be, you know, have the opportunity to get to travel the world and and see really cool places like being up here in crested butte right now i've never been to crested butte colorado before and it's just like epic training up here just some of the most beautiful runs it's like you can't get inspired to train up here you won't be inspired to train anywhere so um yeah we're super blessed super lucky to get to do this yeah you guys are quite the power couple i will say but i there's so many things i want to talk about in this episode you are very like multifaceted, so we have a lot to talk about. But like at the beginning, I just kind of want to hear about how you got your start into running and like were you good right when you started? Because obviously you came America's best. So funny thing about that, I thought I was good when I started, but turns out I wasn't very good. Um, so I started in eighth grade. I hated running didn't like running at all. I was into baseball, basketball, and football. And I, but I, you know, I'd run the mile every week in PE class. 
and I was good at it. And so I would like set a school record for my, my middle school in Big Bear, but Big Bear is just a tiny little mountain town in Southern California. And so what is good up there is not really good in other places, you know? So like, for example, I ran 532 my seventh grade year when I was in middle school. And that's like a pretty solid number, you know? But, you know, fast forward now, like my wife, Sarah, she ran faster than I did in both seventh grade and eighth grade. I think she ran like, like 515 or 510 or something like that. I mean, she was a stud. So I'm comparing myself against one of the better girls in the sport, but still... I'm grateful Sarah and I didn't grow up in the same town because I, I probably would have, if she was whooping on me when I was in seventh and seventh and eighth grade, I probably would have not stuck with the sport, but I thought I was, I thought I was something when I was in seventh and eighth grade. So I was faster than all the other guys in my, my little hometown. So yeah, that's how I got into it. Like I hated it. Um, but there was something about like the physical challenge of it that just like grabbed me. Like I just love pushing myself and that's really like what kind of captured me about running and so got into an eighth grade and I went from a kid who hated to run to a kid who just like loves like it was like my thing like my jam like that was what I was all about you know and I always tell people like running is a hard sport to get into because it's not super fun when you first start out because you're <laughs> in not very good shape so it doesn't good to run so it's kind of like a secret club to get into it you know but um, as the weeks went by and my fitness got better and better I just fell more and more and more in love with it and um, yeah it became my my craft my passion that I'd spend the next 20 plus years developing and seeing how good it, at the sport I could get. When did you know that you were going to go pro with it? So kind of that goes back to my Genesis story. So my first run was like this crazy 15 mile run around the lake in Big Bear Lake. That's like the iconic lake in Big Bear. And uh, I came back and I collapsed in the couch. It was an ugly run. Like it wasn't like uh, I went for my first run and it was magical and I was floating and it was easy and I was running super fast. No, it was like super painful, lots of blisters, lots of stopping, like lots of thoughts of like, oh, I'm never going to make it, you know? And so I just stumbled through the front door, just like totally taxed. Like I was so beat down in a lot of different ways. And I just like collapsed on the couch and uh, it was during that time, like I'm very spiritual and like God's a big part of my life. And I felt like, like I always tell people, if you want to try to hear God, it's really uh, a lot easier when you're super tired and when you've done something physically exhausting. Like I always felt most connected with God when I was like out in nature and moving and, and really, really tired. So I was in this tired state and I felt like just like the little like something like inside me, like God was telling me like, I've given you a gift to run with the best guys in the world, but I gave you that gift so you could help other people. And that was so, so important for me because what I have learned to be true is that whatever I believe about myself, it's going to come out of me. Like, like everything we do comes out of a belief that we hold about ourselves. So the minute that I began, I, I believe that, that thought from God that, I was going to one day run with the best guys in the world. I believe that I bought that completely. 
And then that changed everything about how I was living my life. Like I went from a kid who was like all about hanging out with the cool kids and trying to like go to parties. And I was kind of going that direction, you know? And then all of a sudden I was like, no, like my mission in life for this next season is to run with the best guys in the world. And so then I started going to bed earlier. I started training every day. I started eating better. Like, everything shifted right and it all came from this core belief that one day i was gonna run with the best guys in the world so you know it's it's kind of hard for me to talk about this in a way that's not like you know me being like oh i always knew i was gonna run with the best guys in the world but it really wasn't that like it was just like this like deep core belief that i had that yeah like of course like one day this is gonna happen and because i believe that those actions started to come. And then when those actions came, then it actually happened, right? So that's why I love to talk about like, what do you believe about yourself? It's so, so important. And it's not like either you have this belief, this incredible belief about yourself, or you don't. It's, It's something you have to cultivate, right? So like I had this initial belief that I'd run with the best guys in the world, but then that belief was tested over and over and over again through injuries, through bad races, through getting last place and race after race. Like I dropped out of Stanford during my sophomore year, like that core belief was challenged over and over again. So it really became a journey of like, how do I cultivate this belief? So you can shape the beliefs about yourself. It's not something that's just set in stone, right? Like every day we choose what we believe about ourselves, and every day what we believe about ourselves is bleeding out of us. So, so, so important that we're aware. And that's why like journaling, writing down, like what do I actually believe about myself today? Like it doesn't matter as much yesterday. Like what am I cultivating today that I believe about myself? Getting to the bottom of that because those beliefs are so powerful and then how we act and how we conduct ourselves and how we train it, it. Those beliefs cannot help but to come out of us. So, so, so important that we're aware of those beliefs and that we're cultivating the kind of beliefs that we want to have. That is so interesting that you say that because another person, I had a conversation with Shelby Houlihan, who I'm sure you're familiar with, but we were all like at pizza together. And I don't know, it was like not a vibe. We weren't having a serious conversation, but someone asked, maybe it was me. I don't even remember, but it was like, like, why do you run? And she was like, I just feel like I was, this was what I was born to do. Like she has this belief about herself that she was like literally put on this earth to run. So it's interesting to hear that perspective from you who, um, it sounds like you have like a similar experience like that, but where was like, was there a time in your running career where you feel like you fulfilled that? Like, obviously you're the best, you know, half marathoner. And I mean, I would say marathoner in America ever. Like, was there a specific race that kind of solidified that belief that you're like, I I've done it. Yeah. I'd say, you know, the first time where I actually felt like I was like walking into that belief and that belief was actually transpiring was probably when I set the American record in half marathon. Um, You know, at the time I ran 59, 43, that was, I believe it was the seventh fastest time like ever run by a human being in the half marathon distance, you know? So that was kind of like a moment where I went from like, 
a guy who was like really good. Like I had one NCAA title and stuff like that. So I was a good runner, but I never like saw myself as like, I'm actually one of the best runners ever. I never saw that until I ran 59 minutes in the half marathon. And that's kind of like when it, when it sunk in. But then right after that, like all the African guys saw, oh, Manzungo just ran 59 minutes. This must not be that hard. So then a bunch of them started rolling and running super fast. You know, now it's not not as big of a deal, especially with the new shoes and stuff. But, you know, at the time, like that was that was a really cool moment, you know, because that going from the time when I was 13, and I first had that belief about myself that I'd one day be one of the best guys in the world to you know i think i was 24 when i ran that half marathon like that yeah, was a good young. like nine years of, <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is like that's young for a half marathon for sure but i i think that's important to talk about though because oftentimes like we have this belief about ourselves and where we want to go but then are we willing to be patient enough to be diligent, put in the hard work, even when that belief is not happening at all? Are we willing to put in nine years of really hard work, really diligent, disciplined training to get to that point? Like, are we resilient enough to drop out of school, to get last place in races, to go through all the injuries? Like, this is when you know, running 59 minutes was super fun on the day, but actually like what was hard was going through the injuries, the bad performances, the dropping out of school, like that going through those moments is what made 59 minutes possible. So, you know, in, in today's day and age, when it's so easy to, you know, always be entertaining ourselves on social media and always have stuff exciting stuff going on like are we willing to pay the price of nine years of going after something diligently through all the ups and downs and are we willing to like be patient enough to cultivate our talents and our gifts to arrive at the level that we know we should be at what was the point where you were the most tested would you say like did you ever have any points where you were you know at rock bottom you're like I think I should quit at all oh yeah yeah I quit from running like a hundred times before I actually <laughs> you know retired from running um and I think most runners would say the same thing you know like uh probably the hardest time for me was my sophomore year at Stanford um you know in high school originally when I first started running, like I saw pretty rapid growth, which is pretty common in running, you know, where you first get into it and it's pretty easy to improve. And then you get to a certain level and then you go through plateaus. Sometimes you go down and you got to be willing to just ride out the highs and lows. Right. Um, but for me, my problem was my how I saw myself, how I valued myself was all based on how I was doing in the running space. So, you know, if I was running well, I was very happy with who I was. If I wasn't running well, I wasn't happy with who I was. And getting to the root issue of like, okay, what really makes me special? What really makes me deserve love? Is it because I'm fast? Is it because I'm special? I'm unique because I can run faster than other people? Or is it there's something else that makes me of worth and of value? And so I had to go through a hard time. It's it, when I dropped out of school at Stanford my sophomore year. Um, I thought that by changing my external situation, I could change what was going on in my heart 
heart, you know, I was, I was really down, really depressed because my running was going so poorly for years and years. And I thought I could change that by going back home. And I went back home. I got even more depressed, even more down. And then uh, I remember I had a conversation with my pastor and he told me, he's like, what's the last thing you knew for sure God told you to do? And I knew it was like, I really felt like God was leading me to go to Stanford. And so I knew he said, like, go back and do that. Like when you get off track, go back and do the last thing you knew that you were supposed to do. And I think that was like some really sound advice and got me back on track. So I went back to Stanford um, the following year and with a new kind of commitment that I was going to finish out my time there that I was, you know, it's so easy to buy into like the grass is greener on the other side, right? It's like, even when you're at Stanford, one of the better programs in the country, you're like, oh, but the guys at Oregon, they get all this gear and they have like these <laughs> trails right there. Like there's, there's always, it's so like, don't waste your time with yeah, that. Yeah, let stuff, me tell right? you, the grass like, isn't always greener on the other side. I've been to two different schools, so yeah. I completely understand too. So right. Yeah, I mean, like I just I just put this video out on Instagram where I was like basically like giving advice to my 13-year-old self. And uh, and that was the whole theme of the video was like champions find a way. It's like if you inserting our will on something is so so powerful right and so like can you find a way when you're not in the perfect situation when you don't have the perfect coach when you don't have the perfect setup like champions just find a way to make it happen there's like i'm i'm gonna will this into existence right and it's that kind of attitude that's gonna make the most of your situation right so even if you are at a true disadvantage like i really believe like the human will is stronger than that. Like you can make it happen if you are willing to like pour all of yourself into something. So um, kind of got a little bit sidetracked there, but um, anyways, long story short, end up going back to Stanford with that new commitment, like I talked about, but really what shifted was how I saw myself, you know, like I, I started spending time in a stadium, the Stanford football stadium, and I'd go in there when no one else was in there. I've just always had a thing for stadiums. Like, I don't know why I just love stadiums. And uh, so I'd go in there with a journal and I would just like write. Right. And like I would like pray, read my Bible and just write and I would ask God questions. And I started asking God, like, how do you see me right now? Because I wanted to get like his perspective on me. And what I learned was like how he saw me had nothing to do with how fast I was as a runner. And for like now that I'm a parent, I totally get it. Right. It's like I don't love my kids more or less depending on how they're doing in school or sports or whatever they're into. You know, I'm not like oh, like, yeah, you just like hit a home run. Now I really, really love you. And before I didn't like, no, of course, like that's silly. It's the same way with God, like how he sees us, how he loves us has nothing to do with our performance. And so why do I love myself based on my performance when like the God of the universe doesn't love me that way or our parents don't love us that way? Like, like it doesn't take a genius to know like that is not the ideal, right? Like we shouldn't love each other based on our performances, but yet why do we treat ourselves that way sometimes? So I began to like view myself and value myself based on how God saw me. And what made me special was who I am being made in God's image, just being like a human being that he breathed life into, which is true of every single one of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I began to like really hold on to that and get my 
core value of like what makes me special and loved established and firm then it just freed me up as i'd go to practice and races i was no longer like carrying around this burden of like oh i have to perform at such a high level because my entire view of myself is riding on this like it was like no like actually like this is all just like i seen on the cake like i'm gonna love myself the same whether this race goes bad or this workout goes bad or not it's not going to change anything in terms of how i see myself so now i can just go have fun with it right and then it, it just freed me up and i think you saw that kind of take off during my last couple of years at stanford but then also into my pro running career like really what made me different as a runner is I wasn't afraid, right? Like, like I was the white guy running with all the African guys and like, I would go out with them and I would blow up all the time. <laughs> like it didn't, didn't always work out, but when it did work that work out, it was, it was special, right? Like, like when I hit it, I hit it big. Um, but I, that's because I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to fail. Like I was just having fun out there and I could handle blowing up. I could handle having really bad races. Of course it wasn't fun, but my identity wasn't totally based on my performances anymore. And that is the best way to do sports. When you can do sports and you're not trying to prove anything to anyone, you're just out there just airing out whatever's inside of you, whatever talent, whatever ability, wherever you're at, you're just like, man, I'm just going to air this out and have fun with it. Like that's when amazing things happen. Right. So yeah. and it's just so fun to do sports. Like that. So yeah. Yeah. I know my best races too came out of ones where I put the least amount of pressure on myself, you know, to perform because it's crazy how, especially when you get to like, you know, a certain level, how much the mental side of it really impacts your performance. I mean, and I think like you just gave some great advice about that entire topic. And I know, so you were coached by Terrence right after um, college, I'm assuming. And then I want to talk a little bit about your faith-based coaching. Is that what you would refer to it as? Um, and yeah, I just kind of want to hear about your like transition from a coach to being self-coached or how you approached it. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a, a unique season of life for me, for sure. And, you know, that just came from a place of like wanting to be desperate for God for something, you know, it's like, I just felt so comfortable with my life. Um, everything was great. Like I was on a great team, had a great coach, had great training partners, was running really well, qualified for my first Olympic team. Um, yeah. I found that there was this, this kind of like, I didn't need God for anything. And so wanting to like reposition myself in such a way where like, I I'm desperate for God, I need him to show up. And so it was a scary thing. It's, it was a, a choice that I would have loved to have just done privately, you know, but as like the fastest American in the marathon at the time, um, it became like a very public thing, you know? Um, but I just, I had learned so much and grew so much, um, during that time. And it was, it didn't go at all how expected. And this is what I found like with my faith and like, um, in, in my experiences with God is it rarely does go how I expect things to go. You know, like I didn't want to go to Stanford and then I felt like God was calling me to go to Stanford. I hated to run. God made me a professional runner. <laughs> like, like yeah, I feel like God has this thing with like, 
mean, like whatever you're expecting, like just let go of that because it's probably not going to be that. And it was like that with the faith based coaching, you know, like I was expecting, oh, I'm going to like go to bed at night, like pray to God, like ask him what workout I should do tomorrow. And then I'm going to get some like vision, like dream or something like that. That's going to tell me exactly what workout I should do, exactly how much rest between intervals, you know, just like the nuts and bolts of the workout. And I never got that one time from God. <laughs> like there was zero of that. Right. And, but what I did get is like, God is always in, in my experience, always way more concerned about what's going on inside of here than what's going on out here. Right. And I really believe like people talk about like God and his role in sports and all that. And I really believe like God is so concerned about this and just not very concerned about the things that we often concern ourselves with, with performance, you know? So like one of the big lessons I felt like he taught me was it's not about how, or the nuts and bolts of the workout. It's about how I actually perform the workout, the heart from which I am out doing the workout with. So like, for example, I could do 10 by 400 meters and be racing it trying to prove my fitness to myself or my coach or someone else you know like we all have those workouts where you're like oh this is the one like i'm approved to myself i'm in good shape for this race coming up you know and then you overdo it you overcook yourself you fry yourself you don't respond to that kind of training well what i found like with me and athletes i'm coaching now like i'm always just trying to hold the reins a little bit i just want them to feel like they're just holding back just a little bit and then they respond really well to that type of training compared to you know going to the well and workouts which is what i like to do and which is what is my like my default is to just go to the well and i felt like i was telling me like listen like you don't need to prove yourself in these workouts like just like go back to your identity what makes you special it has nothing to do with your performance and just enjoy the workout, have fun in the workout, and it takes the pressure off. And then you perform the workout so much differently than if you're carrying around all this tension of being like, I got to hit this, these exact paces. And, and so the, oftentimes, like with my athletes, I'm coaching now, like I all prescribe effort level and being like, I'm looking for this kind of effort level, like current 5k fitness effort level. Um, and so because you know, when we're trying to prescribe paces as coaches, oftentimes we're just kind of guesstimating the, the pace that's going to line up with that right effort level that we're looking for. So, um, that's something I've learned from the difference between Sarah and myself, you know, I'm 38, Sarah's 38 and she's running better than she's ever run before. Right. Like running her fastest marathon this last December. And I had to retire five years ago. And I really think that's because like, she's so much better at being in tune with her body and listening to her body and not crushing her body. Like, like training is supposed to be a partnership with our body. It's not supposed to be a, um, us versus our body. It's supposed to be us with our body going after a common goal. And that's how it works the best. And that's what I've seen with Sarah. She's just so in touch with her body, so in touch with her nutrition, her sleep, all of that stuff. And she just keeps getting better and better. Um, whereas like when you try to pound those workouts, when you try to force stuff to happen, that doesn't work so well, especially in the long term. So talking a little bit about your retirement, like what, what was the catalyst? When were you like, I think I'm going to be done? Yeah. 
So I was really grateful um, in my church. I remember my pastor saying like, never make an important decision when you're in the middle of like a, a big disappointment, right? So like, don't make a decision right after you have a bad race or right after you're injured or, you know, right after the London Olympics when I had to drop out with the injury. I'm really glad that like, I really took that um, advice to heart because it allowed me to make a good decision. And so rather than reacting from some bad event, like I remember I was on an airplane and it was in 2016. So the Olympic trials were coming up for Rio and I was trying to get back in shape for it. And um, it just was not clicking at all. And so, you know, I wasn't in a good spot, but I wasn't like miffed about it. I wasn't stressed about it. Um, I'd been struggling for four years. And so I just kind of was spending some time with God and just like reflecting back, not on where I was at in that moment, but rather like, let me look at the last four years. Like, how is my body doing? How are things going? What have I tried to do? What has worked? What has not worked? And as I look back at from 2016, when I dropped out of the London Olympics with a hamstring injury, it was just a nightmare from there all, oh, sorry, and that was 2012 London Olympics when I dropped out, but it's just a nightmare all the way to 2016. It was one injury after another injury and then extreme fatigue and all these different issues that were going on. And I tried a million different things with working with different coaches and tweaking my nutrition and changing my body weight and all this different stuff and nothing was working. And so it was, it was so clear, you know, it's funny, I made the decision in an airplane where we look down and we get this big perspective of the world, right? And that was very much what I was doing in that moment is like, let me look down at myself and my situation and get a long term big perspective of how my body's doing. And it was just so clear, like, hey, my body's done, like it's given me everything it could possibly give me for the last 20 years. And there's, there's nothing left to give. Like, so that it was in that time that then I did the thing where my dad actually gave me this advice too. When you make a big decision in life, whether it's what college you're going to go to or who you're going to marry or whatever it is, like tell yourself, like, this is the decision that I'm making, but then maybe tell like your spouse or like your parents or, you know, someone like that, but don't tell, like, don't commit to it. Don't make it public. Don't like finalize it and just chew on it for like three or four days. That's something I'm so bad at. Yourself, I will like, say I'm so been... bad at it. <laughs> I know, but it's like, how many times have you, like, you make a decision and then like the next day you like, you sleep on it and then you wake up and you're like, oh, dang it. Like, every time, oh, every time wasn't... I tell everyone, I'm like, never mind. Yeah. It's, so it's one of my so worst helpful. traits, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so next time when you have a big decision, just tell yourself, like decide in your mind and then tell yourself you're doing this for like three days. And then if it still feels good after three days, then go with it. But if it changes, and we actually just did this with Sarah, she's trying to decide on a fall marathon and she's like a hundred percent on this one race, which I can't talk about yet because it's not public, but I, we did just this. I was like, all right, like between me and you, this is what you're doing, but we're not going to like finalize it with our agent or anyone else. 
And so we did this and she ended up like changing her mind on it. So really, really great advice to just be like, just chew on it yourself for three days. If it still feels good, go with it. If not, don't do it. So I did this when I decided to retire. I was like, all right, I'm telling Sarah this is what I'm doing, but then I'm not telling ASICs or any of my other sponsors or anyone else for like a week. And I think like a New York times article came out, but it was like a month after I had already decided to retire right so um and it it was never actually hard uh, my retirement for that reason because I think I'd you know I had weighed the decision for so long and I was taking such a broad perspective um, of it um but you know there were so many factors when I look back at it um I, I have my own podcast the run free podcast and I talked about I did a whole episode on like body weight and stuff because you know oftentimes um girls talk about body weight with running a lot but guys like it it's i think as big of an issue with guys as with girls but we just don't verbalize it and talk about it as much but that was a huge thing for me um is you know i was way under body weight for a long time that's just not a super healthy space to be in even though i was performing at a high level um and i think i just got too lean and too light and too fatigued so like looking back on it now like there is a little bit of like i wonder what would have happened if i would just taken three months off to just let my body totally get back into a healthy space because I did like prior to retiring, I got down to, I'm five foot 10. I got down to 127 pounds and I usually raced at 137 pounds. So I was like 10 pounds lighter than I should have been. And I think that really, really waxed my body in a really bad way. And I think I thought I could, oh, I'll just get my body weight back up to like 142 and I'll come out of it, but I didn't come out of it. And I was just a mess for a while. And so, you know, there is, there looking back on now, there are some things where I'm like, yeah, I should have probably, you know, tweaked a few things here and there um, before like totally finalizing uh, my retirement. Yeah. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And so right after you retired, like... 
were you like the world is my oyster or did you already have like the set plan to start weightlifting? I just remember being in college and it must've been on Twitter or something, but something came out and everyone was talking about your transformation and like, no one could believe it. everyone's like, there's no way that that's Ryan Hall. It was so funny. I remember looking back, but yeah, I guess tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Cause there, that was like a reaction because I was I was tired of people telling me I was fat because I so I, I stopped running and got into weightlifting like the next day like I was like I've probably I've probably only missed I don't know maybe 10 days uh, in the weight room since retiring five and a half years ago yeah. right so like I ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents and I didn't miss one lift. I, I would go straight from my race, my marathon. I go straight to like a hotel gym or a gym somewhere, or I just find a pull-up bar and just bang out pull-ups for like an hour. <laughs> so like when I get into something, like I'm super into it. So, so I got super into lifting. It was exactly what my body needed. Cause you know, running is a very catabolic event. Like it strips your body of everything it doesn't need to move forward fast. And so like my body just needed lifting and needed to do something anabolic and needed the extra calories I was giving it. So I got super into it and yeah, it took my body weight from like, I think I was like 140 when I retired to like 165 pretty quick. And I look quite a bit different at 165 compared to 140, you know, but yeah, people were like saying, Oh, Ryan, let himself go. He's getting fat. And there's a little bit of that. Cause like with bodybuilding, you go through these phases where you're like bulking and then cutting and then bulking and cutting. And when you bulk, you do get soft for sure. Like you're not like a lean runner anymore, but um, I wasn't fat though. So eventually I got sick of the comments and I just like posted a picture of me without my <laughs> shirt on or whatever and uh and so I was like I just gotta take control of the narrative so I'm sick of people calling me fat <laughs> yeah did you have any so like it's, it's been super fun that did you have any like um issues I guess seeing yourself in the mirror just looking so different than you used to yeah so it's funny I have an older brother who's been into lifting since high school and uh he's about my size now so like I got up to 200 pounds this summer I'm, I'm less than that now because I'm cutting but uh, I remember looking in the mirror like a couple months into this when things were really starting to change and I was like I look exactly like my older brother Steve like I didn't even recognize myself like it was yeah it was it was a weird kind of transformation to go through for sure but super fun and it just suits me like I, I love the dynamicness of life. I love that life is always changing and we're always changing, but I also like love to control that change, right? So like, I love like, like doing a specific type of training and then keeping my like nutrition, my sleep, everything dialed in and then seeing like the growth and the change that can happen when you have everything dialed in like that. Yeah, man, that is so crazy. You can definitely see like that still marathon mindset in you in now the weight room. Obviously, the fact that you've only that you missed maybe 10 days, that is incredible. And it just I mean, it just shows your work ethic that you're obviously like, even though you dealt with extreme fatigue, obviously, you're still pushing yourself. And has that gotten better? Like, have you seen changes, I guess, in your overall energy levels or like health? Yeah, yeah, that's helped a ton. And that's something like, so like with run free training, like a big part of what we do is we address every part of life, like nutrition, your sleep, your weightlifting, and uh, lifting 
something that if I could go back and do my running over again, I would have done it a lot differently and lifted a lot heavier, actually. You know, oftentimes like runners, we're doing the band work, we're doing like light work because we don't want to like bulk up or whatever. But the funny thing is like bodybuilding, bodybuilding, they talk about time under tension. So they actually use lighter weight and a lot of time under tension. So a lot of reps to bulk up right whereas like if you don't want to bulk up you actually do heavier weight and lower rep range which was news to me but also to you get a, a really good hormonal response by lifting heavy and so i would i would have lifted much heavier but in a lot different in running specific ranges of motion because i also like got hurt in the weight room training for the beijing olympics so i was doing butt to the ground squatting at the olympic training center which i had i didn't need to do that for distance running like when is your butt ever on the ground as a distance runner it better not be right <laughs> so like like that's why like strength training like it's best when it comes from someone who's coming from a running background because strength training to get strong is a lot different than strength training for a runner and what works for a runner and like understanding how tight runners can be. Like I like could never touch my toes when I was a pro marathoner. So like I had no business being down in a butt to the ground squat with that kind of flexibility and mobility, right? So you need someone who can understand that. And we have like demos of all of our videos that's totally free on our run free YouTube channel. People want to check out like what kind of lifting I'm talking about like for example we do half squatting instead of full squatting or we'll do hex bar deadlift with the handles up so you're not going down so deep instead of like traditional deadlifting that's just a few examples but doing like running specific movements is what i would do if i could go back and do it all differently but i found like my hormones have gone back up so every time when i was running professionally every time i tested my testosterone i was always clinically low and there just wasn't a lot i could do about that right like um as a distance runner like doing an endurance activity at the extreme level i was doing it at and then not doing the heavy lifting um was really hormonally not good for my body it was probably that's probably what was going on with the extreme fatigue as well um so you know i've noticed a big hormonal difference now my testosterone's back in the normal range i'm lifting heavy not running as much um, and still keeping my sleep and my nutrition dialed in and, and it also to add a healthier body weight, you know, like not walking around at 4% body fat or 5%, 6% or whatever it was when I was like really, really lean training for my marathons is also super, super helpful. And that's something that, you know, I learned from my pro running days is like, I can't walk around that lean all the time. Right. So like I'd have times when I get down really, really lean. But then I have to put on weight in the off season. And every time I didn't put on weight in the off season, because I was like, oh, I just want to stay lean, right? Like every time I did that, I would explode my next buildup and not have a good marathon or not even make it to the starting line because I'd be so fatigued. So really, really important for me that I learned to cycle how lean I am. So now, like I spend most of the year eating 5,000 calories a day and trying to put on muscle and strength. Like I'll spend nine months doing that. 
and just like so full all the time, <laughs> like never hungry, I never crave anything. Nothing ever sounds good. It's really not fun at all, but, but it's super effective. Like if you want to put on muscle and you want to get stronger, like that's, that's the only thing that I've found that works is like, you've got to be in a caloric surplus. You got to be sleeping enough and you got to be lifting heavy and lifting often. Um, and then also the time under tension, like I talked about, I do a common of like powerlifting plus bodybuilding. So I spend like the first half of my workout lifting super heavy. And then the second half of my workout doing time under tension, high rep, lower weight, trying to put on some muscle mass. Um, and then I spend, you know, three months of the year, two, three months of the year cutting and getting rid of the excess uh, body fat that you do put on when you're bulking. But, you know, I, I get a lot of questions about people who want to put on muscle and like guys and girls, like both, you know, like wanting to like add some muscle to their frame. And always the first question I ask them is like, how many calories are you eating? And usually it's like, oh, I'm eating 1400 calories a day. I'm like, you're, it doesn't matter what you do in the weight room. If you're eating 1400 calories a day, like you're not going to put on size. Like you got to be in a caloric surplus if you're trying to put on muscle. So, yeah, if anyone out there's trying to get some biceps. <laughs> I'm curious, when you're like weightlifting, do you ever do you feel as fulfilled as you did when you're running because for me like leaving college, I have such a hard time having that same like like coming out of workout feeling the same I guess euphoria as you know finishing a 12 mile long run. But how is it for you? Oh, uh, I I like it more. I like it more than running. Okay. I max like like today. Today I'm in the weight room. Like I'm trying to hit my PR, right? Like I was squatting today and 485 on the bar. I'm trying to hit a PR, right? And so like in running, you can only go for a PR like you know, every a couple times a year, sometimes, you know, it depends on the event or whatever. But um in the weight room, like like I'm maxing all the time, like three times a week, right? And and hitting a max, like so here's the thing, like what gets me going about running, weightlifting, any physical activity is I love seeing growth, right? Like I love hitting a PR in a race and being like, well, I've never run that fast. But in the weight room, it's like hitting a PR in the deadlift or bench or squat and just being like, like four days ago, I couldn't move this weight. And then like today I can is like such a cool feeling. So I don't know, like maybe for people who get bored in the weight room, maybe it's just because you're not trying to grow. You're not trying to get stronger, you know, like you're just in there, like doing the lifting and kind of like, doing the machines and stuff. And I don't know, I would get bored if I was doing that. It's like the challenge for me of like trying to get stronger, trying to move more weight than I've ever moved before. That makes it super, super fun and super gratifying. It's also what makes it frustrating though, too, right? Like there's a lot of times like today I failed on my, my squat max, right? So like you have to deal with like frustration which is actually a really good thing and a really healthy thing to like learn to process disappointment and frustration um in a healthy way um so yeah it, it's fun i love the weight room what's your ultimate goal out of like weightlifting so there's kind of no finish line for me like when i first started lifting i was like i want to be able to deadlift bench and squat 300 pounds so each one of those lifts do 300 pounds 
And then I actually got there like fairly quickly. I thought it was going to take me forever because I was so weak when I started. I was like my bench, my squat, my deadlift, we're all about like my body weight, which is like 140 pounds. Right. So I was like 300 pounds. That seems like moving a mountain to me, but, uh, you know, I got there like within a couple of years and, um, now I'm up over 500 for the deadlift and almost a 500 on my squat and 330 for a bench. Um, and I just want to see how far I can take it. You know, it's, it's kind of fun doing something you're really bad at, you know, like <laughs> with running, I had the genetics for it. Like, like without a doubt, like, like you don't it, like my dad used to always say like anyone can be a good runner, right? Like I could take a 300 pound bodybuilder. And if you give me enough time and if he's disciplined and he does the sleep and the training and the nutrition, like I could turn him into like a, a Boston qualifier kind of runner, right? Like a good runner. But I, I can't turn that guy into Olympic trials qualifying time, right? Like there is a genetic component to things. And same thing with me with lifting. Like I'm never going to be, you know, deadlifting with Thor and pulling a thousand pounds and stuff like that. But I can like get really strong, even though my genetics are all wrong, right? Like obviously I have marathoner genetics. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did in the marathon without without those genetics. So it's kind of fun to do something where you're like, well, my body's not suited for this at all, but let's just see how far we can take this, you know? So now like, I would love to get my deadlift over 600. I'd love to get my, my bench press up over 400 and my squat over 500, but I've also been kind of taking on like different challenges now where I'm just getting creative with stuff. So like, I'm going to do this challenge here in maybe a couple months where I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to have a barbell on the track on the starting line with 500 pounds on it. And I'm going to deadlift it. And the clock starts when I first touch the bar, and I'm going to deadlift it and then try and run a sub five minute mile, um, uh, right after I deadlift 500 pounds. So kind of finding just like fun, random stuff to, to challenge myself with and stuff to get excited for and, um, stuff that's a little outside the box as well. I think what people find interesting about you, especially now, is that you really like defied the odds. I mean, I don't know any other, you know, especially elite marathoner that has gone on to, you know, build the mat, build the mass that you have and like accomplish these huge feats in the weight room. So I think, I, I don't know, you probably got a lot of opinions on it, but personally, I think it's really cool to like, just see you, you know, go against your marathon genetics and accomplish well, maybe not accomplish whatever you want to do yet, but um, just be able to do what you've been doing has been awesome to to see. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been super fun. That was actually uh, the CEO of ASICS when I retired from pro running. Um, he flew up to Reading to have dinner with me, you know, and I thought he was going to be like trying to talk me out of it. And so I was like preparing myself for a hard pitch. Just like, oh, this dinner is going to suck. But uh, Gene, he was the CEO at the time, not CEO anymore, but he gave me some really great advice. He's like, he's like, keep growing, keep evolving, keep changing, like, don't like stay in the past, right? And that was so, so helpful for me as I transitioned out of running to realize like, just because you stop doing your craft and your passion doesn't mean life is over. Like there is so many like, amazing things about life you know and we all go through stuff we go through injuries we go through setbacks you know there becomes a time where like you know running isn't meant to last forever for anyone 
but doesn't mean you're dead, right? Like there's always <laughs> stuff to get excited about, stuff to go after. So like keep living, you know, like don't just because you can't do something like there's so much to experience in the world. And it's a shame when we, uh, we stop living and we just live in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I have a few to like close out the episode. I have a few listener questions. Um, it could be like rapid fire style. So, cause I got a lot of questions, so, um, we can just run through them really quick. But the first one is what is your favorite food? Oof. Favorite food. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I just, I just came out of a bulk when I was just saying nothing sounds good. I crave nothing uh i'm still kind of in that mode even though i'm cutting right now i'm still like haven't regained my hunger so i don't uh, i don't know i eat i eat uh fruit snacks right now after my workouts that's probably like my guilty pleasure okay. fruit snacks but uh it used to be cinnamon rolls my grandma who passed away she used to make some mean cinnamon rolls so that that used to be my jam but to be honest i haven't had a cinnamon roll in a few years now <laughs> yeah and it's probably doesn't sound very good right now so yeah um who are the people that inspire you like three people yeah yeah that's a good question I mean certainly my wife you know um just her like passion for life and and passion for excellence that's kind of what I see in her the most it's like she leaves no rock unturned right in her pursuit of just she's just trying to maximize her potential it's not about like becoming the best person in the world or beating other people or setting records necessarily it's just about like how good at this thing can she get? So um, certainly my wife, uh, my dad was a huge, huge influence in my life for sure. Um, and then honestly, like all the people at Run Free Training, like like they're all like my friends, my buddies, um, other pro runners that coach for us and stuff. And um, once a year we get together for these camps and I just love these weeks that we get to spend together. So I'm surrounded by such great people, Run Free. So all those guys. How fast can you run an all out 100 meters right now? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. Like 100 meters is a distance race for me now. Like I'm good at like 40s and like 30s, but 100, I need like gels and stuff like partway through <laughs> oh, yeah. to start tying up. I haven't I've timed myself for 100 recently, but my foot speed is way, way better than when I was running professionally and doing zero running. Like, like I, I run, I, I started running a little bit now because I have to run this sub five minute mile after the deadlift. And it's funny because the deadlift seems easy and the running seems hard in the <laughs> challenge, you know? Um, so I don't know what I could do a hundred in, but it'd be quicker than when I was running professionally for sure. <laughs> Pro athlete, past or present that you'd love to coach in running or in weights. Ooh. That is a really good. Okay. So the Eddie Hall, he, he, uh, used to have the deadlift world record. He's the first guy to pull over 500 kilograms. So that's like a thousand one hundred and fifty pounds or something like that, right around there. But I, was, I, I hit, hit him up on Instagram. I DM'd him and I was like, Hey, Eddie, like we got the same last name and everything, man. Like I need to train you for a marathon. I want to see what you can do. So 
it'd be so fun to take like a power lifter like that or like thor one of those guys and train him for a marathon i'd just be it's kind of like the reverse of the experiment that i'm doing on myself right now so that would be super super fun um someone i'd like to train weightlifting would uh you guys you, you know obdi right like i ran on the olympic team with him um in london he's uh he he would be the guy the only guy who was skinnier than i was is a pro marathoner so i'd love to see if i could get obdi some some biceps he's my favorite posing partner at the moment whenever i see him at races we always uh, do a bicep pose together because he makes my biceps look huge <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um do you feel more physically fit now or now as a weightlifter or as a runner yeah like overall I feel fitter now, especially now because I started running a little bit where I'm doing these like 400 meter repeat workouts every fourth day. And so now like my cardio doesn't feel as bad because when I wasn't doing any running, like I'd walk upstairs and I'd be breathing all hard and stuff. And I was like, I don't really feel fit like this, you know, <laughs> but now like even after just like a month of like running every fourth day, like my cardio feels so, so much better where like, I feel like charging up some mountains, like doing like some crazy stuff, you know? So I actually feel more well-rounded now fit wise for sure. It, it's funny. Cause like Sarah, she just got ranked like top 50 fittest individuals, like of women in the world by sports illustrated or whatever. And uh, I had to like hold my tongue on it. Cause I was like, she's so so fit in the running space right but it's so specific to running because i'm like fittest person in the world but she gets like <laughs> a little salty i see okay <laughs> and i was like i was like i don't know about overall fitness but i mean specific fitness she's without a doubt in that category you know but it's just like overall fitness and specific fitness are like two very different things <laughs> that's funny um okay the last question i have is do you have any advice that you would give to your younger self yeah check out that video i put on instagram it's a uh, champions find a way it's it's literally the exact advice i tell my 13 year old self and it's just like the power of consistency, you know, like consistency, it's not super sexy. You don't see results overnight or in a week or in a month. Sometimes like even from year to year, like you actually get worse, you hit plateaus, you go down, but consistency over a long period of time, it is the magic key. It is the, the magic bullet. Like it is what will get you where you want to go. If you want to be great in something, like, like Malcolm Gladwell talked about 10,000 hours. And that's one of my sponsors now is 10,000 apparel line. And it's so true. It's like, you need focused training for years and years and years. And here's the thing like, it's worth the journey, right? Like, cause I know some people might hear that and be like, Oh, that sounds like not fun to me, but the, the journey's where it's at actually. Right. It's like, the journey is what's the most fun thing about it. When I retired from pro running, um, that's what I missed most. Like I missed not like setting a re records or going to the Olympics. Like those were all cool experiences, but like I missed being buried out in the forest on single track trails, 
just eating up the ground, feeling like a million bucks. It's nothing but me and the wind and the trees out there, right? Like that's, that's where it's at. That's where the good stuff is. It's in the journey. So it's actually a good thing that it takes 10,000 hours to get great at something. Cause then you get a lot of the journey, you get a lot of the good stuff, but you got to be aware of that. You got to realize like, it's not about the mountaintop. It's about, it's about the journey. It's about this step that I'm taking right now. As my college coach used to always say, enjoy the process because at the end of the day, that yeah. is what you're spending the most time on. So I can really resonate with that. And I know a lot of my listeners probably can too, but where can people find you at? Where can they follow you? Yeah. 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 I'm a uh, Ryan Hall three on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook fan page. And then uh, if they're interested in run free training, we have a website runfreetraining.com. And we're also on uh, Instagram as well, run free training. So um, like I said, we work with every level runner. We, we have high school kids, we have college kids, we have 65 year old, um, people. So, um, yeah, would love, uh, anyone that wants to join us on the journey to join us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know, I mean, you inspire me just as a person in general, you know, a post-collegiate runner, just trying to get after whatever the next step is. And, um, I know you inspire a lot of people that are listening. So I really appreciate you taking the time to inspire everyone. Oh, my pleasure. I enjoyed chatting with you, Emma. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Combos Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking to Ryan. He's obviously very motivational and he just has a lot of wisdom when it comes to running and beyond and just transitioning out of running. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you did, make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, of course. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram if you want to submit listener questions or just be up to date on the latest episodes. The Instagram is Combos Over Cold Brew Pod. So go follow us. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I'll hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.